Today's reading is from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain, apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. be seated. At the top of Corcovado Mountain in Brazil stands Cristo Redentor, or Christ the Redeemer, a 98-foot high Art Deco style statue of Jesus standing with arms outstretched as he looks down upon the city of Rio de Janeiro. The statue sits on a pedestal, increasing its height to nearly 125 feet above the ground it is built upon. Christ the Redeemer has stood atop the mountain since 1931 and has become a cultural icon of the city and the country it stands in. Located within a national park close to the large city of Rio, the statue is commonly visited by millions of people every year. Now this beautiful statue with its magnificent view, it popped into my mind as I studied the scripture for today. A scripture where we find the real Jesus take three of his closest followers, his core group, his main men, <laughs> he took them up to the top of a mountain where something unforgettable happens. Now the story of the transfiguration of Jesus is one that is hard for us to imagine in our minds because the author of the Gospel of Mark as well as the authors of Matthew and Luke in their tellings of the event, they give us very little to picture when they say that Jesus was transfigured. Mark, in the gospel reading that we heard, simply tells us that Jesus' clothes became dazzlingly white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. Luke tells us that his clothes were as bright as a flash of lightning, 
and also mentions that the appearance of his face changed. And Matthew says that his face shone like the sun and that his clothes were as bright as light. Now, all of these descriptions, particularly those descriptions of the face of Jesus, they're very reminiscent of the way the Old Testament describes Moses whenever he has met with God. The Old Testament tells us that Moses' face was so radiant after being in God's presence that the people were afraid to be around him. He was so disturbing to look at that he took to wearing a veil over his face after he had met with the Lord. Now what happened that day with Jesus was more than just his transfiguration, a metamorphosis of his appearance, because there was also that little fact that Elijah and Moses were suddenly there too, talking with Jesus. Now I love, I love the way Mark's gospel tells this next part of the story. Peter, who we know was never without a thought that he did not vocalize. <laughs> Peter suggests that they build three dwellings right there for the three men. Then you will note, the scripture writer says, Peter did not know what to say because they were all terrified. So Peter says something, but at the same time did not know what to say. On brand, on brand. Now, I am not sure what Peter meant when he said what he said, but I will note that the word translated dwellings in our scripture today can also be translated tabernacles. And in his sermon last week, Pastor Clay talked about the Feast of Tabernacles, a feast where the people would set up tabernacles or tents in the streets of Jerusalem. They would live in those tents for a week as a way of remembering and celebrating the time when their ancestors wandered in the wilderness. The time when they did not have a home. The time when God provided for them in the desert. So maybe, maybe that day on the mountain, Peter saw Moses, thought about those stories, and connected them with the Feast of Tabernacles, which he had celebrated his whole life. And maybe that's what brought the idea of building tabernacles on the mountain that day to his mind. But I must say, whenever I have read this scripture in the past, I have always thought Peter wanted to set up a permanent roadside attraction. <laughs> where the three men could live and everyone could experience this amazing moment all for themselves. Now that would really make people sit up and take notice. That would really show the religious leaders what was up. And that would be hard for even the Roman Empire to top. But regardless of what Peter was thinking, it didn't really matter because as soon as the words were out of his mouth, a cloud overshadowed them all, and a voice came from above, a voice that chased Peter's ideas away, a voice telling them to listen to Jesus, the beloved, the Son of God. And then, just as suddenly as it had all begun, everything was back to normal there on the mountain. There was nothing left to do. 
So they went back down the mountain, Jesus telling them along the way not to tell anyone what had happened until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, of course, I don't know this any more than I know what Peter was thinking that day when he gave his suggestion earlier, but while I'm spitballing, let me just spitball something else. When Jesus said this, I imagine Peter thinking, not this again. Not this again. I say this because just a short time before they went up the mountain, Jesus had been telling his disciples very openly and very bluntly that he was going to undergo great suffering, that he would be killed, and that he would rise again. And when he said those things, as usual, Peter did not take it quietly, and he had told Jesus not to talk like that. And Jesus scolded him for it. Jesus told Peter that his reaction to what he was telling them was an indication that Peter was focused on earthly things, not divine things. So, yes, I think Peter might have heard Jesus that day as they came down off the mountain talking about rising from the dead and thought to himself, not this again. But he wisely kept his mouth shut this time. He had, after all, opened his mouth just earlier and been shut down by God once that day. Now, our text today stops here with Peter, James, John, and Jesus descending the mountain. But what happens next, what we did not hear read this morning, what happens next has always been informative to me in understanding the meaning of this story for us today. Regardless of this amazing mountaintop experience they had just had, the men descend to find things, well, they find things just like they were when they left, maybe a little worse. At first, as they get closer to the other nine disciples who were waiting for them, they see that there's a big crowd around them. And as they get closer, they realize that there is an argument going on between the disciples and some scribes. The crowds see Jesus and they rush over to him and a man in the crowd speaks up saying that he had brought his son, who was possessed by a demon, to be healed and that the disciples couldn't do it. Now, Jesus is a little frustrated with his disciples, but he is compassionate as always for the father and son, and he heals the boy. So now, why is this so informative to my understanding of the transfiguration story? It's this. It's because who among us has not had a mountaintop moment that everyone around us seems dead set on stepping all over as soon as we come back off the mountain. I had someone share with me at the 830 service that they had had this wonderful experience at a retreat, a spiritual retreat, and they came home and they wanted to tell their mother all about it, and their mother said, that's all fine, but you need to go clean your room. (laughs) Exactly that, right? To be more serious, who among us has not had a mountaintop moment that is quickly followed by a reminder of the tremendous need for us to be in the world, at work, and not continually removed from it on the mountain. 
I mentioned that millions of people each year visit Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro. And while these images of the statue are stunning and inspiring and comforting and majestic and all of those mountaintop sorts of things, let me show you what it is actually like to be there on top of the mountain. Millions of people do not get to visit one at a time. And as much as I love those earlier images of the statue, I really think that these, with the crowds of people at the base of it, speak volumes. They speak volumes about the need that we, the crowd, have for Christ. They speak to the imperative Jesus had, the disciples had, and that we have to get down off the mountain and be about the kingdom work of love and justice and mercy and kindness and peace and so on and so on and so on. Because people are waiting, clamoring, needing what Christ has to offer through us, his people. Now, this week, I glanced over TripAdvisor's reviews of Christ the Redeemer. And one review of the experience that just popped out to me, here's what someone wrote. 2,400 feet above the city stands the 125-foot-tall statue of Christ the Redeemer. The Christ statue that embraces the whole city is designated as one of the seven new wonders of the world. From there, you see a thrilling 360-degree sweeping view of the city and understand why Rio is known as one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I wish people would spend less time lining up for a selfie with the Christ and would just enjoy the view from the top of the mountain. I wish people would spend less time lining up for a selfie with the Christ and would just enjoy the view from the top of the mountain. That sentiment, that just really encapsulates the Transfiguration Story's message to me. We love, love, and I dare say we need the mountaintop moments we have in our lives, but we can get too wrapped up in them. First. Like the visitor was noting to Christ the Redeemer, we can get so wrapped up in documenting them that we don't enjoy them, that we are not fully present in them. And we can get so wrapped up in staying in our mountaintop moments that we forget why we cannot, as faithful followers of the one who took three men up the mountain and back down again, we forget why we cannot build homes on the mountaintop and stay there. Perspective. In short, the transfiguration story and all that goes on before and after it, not the least of which is the resurrection which Jesus pointed out to those three men that day was important to understanding what had happened that day. The transfiguration and all that goes on around it 
gives perspective to what it means to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. On the mountaintop, we draw close to God and are reminded how important it is to listen to him. We regain holy perspective. And from the mountaintop, we come back down into the real world where there is real work to do for the God who draws us ever closer to him and to one another. May we be people of the transfigured and resurrected Jesus. People who carry the light of a creator God into our little corners of the world. People equipped for kingdom work by the Holy Spirit who lives within us all. May all we do and all we say glorify God and serve our neighbors. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for the way you take us up to the mountaintop to draw closer to you in unexpected times and inexplicable experiences. Help us to be people who know that those mountaintop moments are part of your equipping us and, and helping us to understand that you are present with us always. They are not to be where we live and dwell. For we, your people, are called to do the work that we saw Jesus do. And while Jesus, too, withdrew to the mountain to grow closer to his God, the Father, he did not stay there. For many were waiting for healing and good news at the bottom of the mountain. So, Lord, this week, go with us wherever we go. May we enjoy those mountaintop moments if that is what is in our future this week. And if we are trudging around in the valley, may we know that you are there with us. Put our hands and feet to work. Guide our lips. And may we always be about your kingdom work. For the love of you and for the love of neighbor. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.